The world of Star Wars has given us so many beloved characters like Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, and now, wait, it says Turgle? Welcome to Triple Click, where we turgle the turtles to you. This week we're talking about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a very fun game with cool custom lightsabers, fun platforming, and some unfortunate tech problems. All that and a little bit of turtle coming up. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. Hey there. Hello. It's us again. Hello, friends. It's us. It sure is. We are here. Coming at you. Yep. Into your speakers or headset. Coming or at you whatever. live. <laughs> no. Kirk, no. It's, it's not live, but there actually is a situation where it could be live. Kirk is off by future. a couple of weeks. It's going to be live in just a couple of weeks at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on stage. Triple Click Live. It's coming up, everybody. You all know the drill. We're doing it live. We're going to do it live. We really are. You're going to see how much of this show is editing <laughs> and how much is raw host talent. You're how really going to get to find us out. Throwing tantrums and yelling, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> like, all, all of that is normally edited out. Kirk, you have mm-hmm. to like, I, you have to leave and then come back and be like, bing, like at the end of the show for an <laughs> right, encore. Right. They'll be cheering yep. for an encore. And you'll or like in the middle like, of something. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to do just freeze. He'll just be like, "Hold on, hold on," and Maddie will all freeze, and then Kirk will be like, "You know, these are gold ideas. We shouldn't be spoiling these." Yeah, we time. need to script out an elaborate comedy setup uh-huh. that is uh-huh. totally unlike how the show ordinarily operates. This is just brainstorming. The actual ideas we have for the live show are so much more exciting. That's what right. we're really going to do is have one of us forget the name of somebody, and then mm. I'll have it ready on my phone, and I'll bing in right, and yep. say the name of the person that we all forgot. Yeah, yes. I'll just somehow be ready to do that. Anyways, yeah, we're going to be live on May 18th. We're very, very excited. It's coming up. You can buy tickets online. You can also watch a live stream and get tickets for that if you can't make it to New York. But it's going to be... Super fun. We haven't done a live show together, the three of us, in quite some time. And I think we've gotten better at podcasting since then. Have we gotten better at live performance? Who knows? There's only one way to find we've out. We've had no out. opportunities yeah. to practice, but maybe weirdly we'll be way better at it. Maybe. There's only one way to find out. and that's Only one attend. way to find out. So get tickets. And um, of course, also, we are a listener-supported show, as you probably know. We're on the Maximum Fun Network, and we love being listener-supported. That's why you don't hear any ads, why we don't have any sponsors. It's totally just us and all of you. And um, thanks so much, as always, to everybody who is a Maximum Fun member and supports TripleClick. And if you want that to be you, and if you want to get access to monthly bonus episodes of our show, one episode per month since we started, so like almost 40 of them or something. Most recent one was Persona 5, but we've done all kinds of movies and TV shows and video games. Um, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff this year, too. Go to Maximum fun.org slash join become a member support our show and um you know you'll you'll have our eternal gratitude all right so uh we've got a video game to talk about this week we do have a video game to talk about today we're talking about star war again jedi survivor the war (laughs) the war the wars in the stars they continue a universe that is a distance away Today we're talking about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a new video game from Respawn Entertainment and Electronic Arts. Um, It is the sequel, the direct sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, And hilariously, the the actual title of the series is Star 
Wars Jedi colon. So like the next name will be Star Wars Jedi colon something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is yeah like a pretty uh, a very straight up direct sequel. In fact, it is start you you play as the same guy Cal Kestis five years after Jedi Fallen Order, and he retains all of his abilities from the last game, which we'll talk about. Um, this is uh, pretty much it's a lot like God of War Ragnarok last year in that you if you don't like it's a direct sequel to the last game and a lot of the emotional beats and character development and stuff is cu- carried on from the previous game. So you pretty much need to have played that game to like grasp a lot of what's going on. Um, we've all been playing it. We can talk about some impressions. We will talk about, I think we'll, we'll do a little sidebar. We'll, we'll start with our initial impressions and then do a little sidebar to talk about the performance and bugs and issues that people are running into. But for now, let's start with some kind of broader overall thoughts on the game. Um, Kirk, do you want to go first sure i'll go first so i'm a little ways into the game i've played like 12 15 hours i'm playing on pc we should say we're all playing review copies of the game that we got early so we were playing before launch and have still been playing after the game has come out and of course we talked about it some last week and i gave my kind of early impressions last week so they haven't changed too much um i enjoy the game i will say I actually can't separate my impressions of the game from the technical issues because for a while it was actually fine for me. Um, I was, you know, it was sort of stuttery. It was doing the thing that everyone's been complaining about where you load into a new area on PC and it sort of stutters and is a little annoying. And I would occasionally have some frame rate drops, especially on a Kobo on the big open planet. But then it was kind of fine most of the time and I was playing and having a good time. And actually just recently... I'm um, now in a big ship. I'm like exploring this big crashed ship. And man, I'm really running into a lot of just weird jankiness and frame rate stuff to the point that it's kind of making me want to stop until they patch it some more. So that's kind of taken the wind out of my sails a little bit on what's otherwise a really you know, propulsive, fun game that uh, is really working for me. So I've, yeah, I've played like 12, 15 hours. Um, kind of through some stuff that happens on Jeddah. I've gotten a lot of the gang back together. Uh, the plot, I suppose, is thickening, though the story isn't really grabbing me as much as the first game. But we can talk about that some more. So that's that's kind of where I am and how I'm feeling. Maddie, what about you? Uh, I'm about 10 hours in, but I don't think I'm actually 10 hours into the game because I've also experienced a lot of technical issues and mm. i don't want to get too far into so that maybe this won't think... be a sidebar maybe this will be uh well i don't whole, i don't think it's impression. interesting like i i don't think anyone needs to hear the lengthy story about how there was an entire evening where the game just didn't recognize my controller and i did like a series of absurd fixits in order to eventually get it working around 9 30 when it was time to maybe stop playing the game and brush my teeth mm, no one the cares worst feeling. uh <laughs> That has definitely put a damper on my ability to play the game, but I'm really liking it, which is why this is so bittersweet. I I think that the combat is a lot better feeling to me than Fallen Order. We talked a little bit about the parry system last week. I'm really enjoying it this time around. I feel just great about it. I like all the different lightsaber stances. I like the traversal a lot. It feels great. Love that I have a double jump from the start. Also love how the wall run feels and wall jumping. These are kinds of things that I often complain about in a game when it feels bad. So it's pretty cool to play a game where it just feels right. Like it it immediately, I understood how to use all those tools after just a brief you know, tutorial or telling me what buttons to press and I immediately understood them, makes me feel like a Jedi. I love that feeling. I do not love the game 
repeatedly crashing. <laughs> so you're that's playing. Rough. Are you playing on? I'm PC? on PC. I'm on okay. PC, and it, it actually, I, from what I've read, people with like higher end video cards are having more trouble, which is yeah, deeply irritating. That's what Respawn said, but I don't I know. know. I think well, everybody's having trouble. Yeah, that might be true, but that could explain yeah. why I'm having perhaps even more trouble than you, Kirk. Like I've, I've lost progress at various points. Again, it, this isn't interesting, but at the very least, I think we can say that performance on PC is pretty variable, but it's variable for me, like depending on the mood of my computer, like sometimes it's great. It was <laughs> yeah. pretty fine for the first few hours. And then I started noticing it more and it could even be that by working on trying to fix it and tweaking settings and just yeah. spending more time thinking about it, I'm noticing it more and it's yeah. bothering me more. Like it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's pretty variable, which is frustrating. Our, um, former Kotaku colleague Luke Plunkett was talking about this recently on his Twitter and about how talking so much about performance in a game right after it's launched becomes increasingly irrelevant. Like what if somebody five years from now was playing this game and wanted to check out this episode? They wouldn't want to hear me talk about all the PC bugs. So I'm just feeling extremely cognizant of that right now because mm -hmm. I'm thinking about Luke's tweets yesterday. And I think he's right. But it is tough because this is such a huge part of my experience right now. And I'd much rather talk about the things in the game that people will probably talk about years from now if they happen to be playing it. And I do like the story so far. There's some really fun little weird guys, some some cute little aliens. There's, there's Turgle. There's Turgle. Gotta talk about Turgle. You wrote adorable. a whole article about Turgle. I wrote Turgle. about Turgle. And there's there's the scuba skeeve guy. He's <laughs> basically like a little guy in a scuba suit. Little Scottish I don't know. guy. It's got some Star Wars sass characters in it. And I even like the lighthearted vibe of the game. Like there's all these cute little flute sound effects when you open something new and it just reminds me of like that good feeling part of the original trilogy of Star Wars movies and not not maybe the gritty Andor <laughs> vibes that we all also enjoy to clarify but there's just something about it that and I'm just like ah damn Star Wars is really cool so yeah that's the stuff I want to talk about the you emotional know? core of Star yeah, Wars the yeah fun. I mean you guys are making me glad that I got a code for PS5 and not I know for I'm PC jealous of you <laughs> yeah it's running fine for me I mean there's definitely some like frame rate stutters and playing in performance mode on PS5 and I gotten a, like a couple of just random bugs and crashes and stuff but like for the most part it's been totally fine for me I am Kirk I'm where you are pretty much I just got to uh, the first save point inside that big crash Death Star looking thing um, which I will be entering shortly and I really enjoy it I think it rules I think the game's really good I think the smartest decision they could have made as I said last Last week is retaining all your powers, including the double jump. And I also just unlocked a dash that is added to your double mm -hmm. jump. So you're, you go full on Hollow Knight where you can jump, <laughs> yeah. jump and then dash or dash and then jump. And it really makes you feel like a badass. There, mm -hmm. the, the sequence on Jedha that Kirk and I were raving about um, to, uh, to you, Maddie, is uh, was just like an incredible spectacle um, that uh, just felt like uh, unlike like anything I've played in a game before in a lot of ways and just felt like a total dimensional felt like something out of God of War I would say I'd say mm -hmm. that God of War has some set pieces that are on that same yeah level. I guess so it felt it felt like a combination of like God of War and um that Ratchet and Clank game with the rifts and stuff mm -hmm. like that but um it was pretty cool um and yeah I'm just really enjoying my experience with the game um, quick thought on performance, just to kind of make the conversation a little bit broader and maybe add a little interesting 
um, kind of theory to this whole thing. So I spoke to Stegas Musin, the director of this game, last week. I was talking to him about the how they made this game in three, three and a half years, which I think is pretty incredible, given that most games these days are made in six plus years. Um, a lot of people, it was unfortunate timing because a lot of people joked that, uh, well, maybe they should have taken more time to polish the thing, which fair enough. But um, I still think it's a remarkable achievement. But one of the points that he made is that they also made it during a pandemic and they've been remote the entire time, which got me thinking, well, a lot of these issues are on PCs. Now, typically, um, in the pre-remote days, you would have a QA team that all comes into the office, and when they're testing games on PCs, they might have a giant pile of video cards that they can just swap into a PC. Or they might have different machines around the office, and they can all test out on different builds and swapping in different parts as need be. I wonder if that's made more difficult when you're remote and when your your Mm. QA team is remote, and you can't get the same hardware moving around and maybe it's a lot more difficult to do the mixing and matching that you kind of need to do if you're going to test out different CPUs and GPUs and motherboards and whatever else. And I wonder if that is one of the reasons that we're seeing this PC performance struggle is because Respawn, the developers, have become a remote first studio. So they really let people work from wherever they want and a lot of people are taking advantage of that. So I suspect that that might be one of the very few drawbacks to working remotely is that when it comes to hardware testing, it makes things a lot more difficult. I'm sure that it is true that the remote factor is a, you know, plays into QA. There's some funky stuff with, well, first, there's some funky stuff with the PS5 build as well, just from like watching Digital Foundry's frame pacing analysis and stuff. It might not be stuff that you notice or that a lot of people notice, but it's it's pretty rough in a lot of ways compared to something smoother like a, you know, Sony first party PS5 game. And there's also just some weird stuff. I mean, I don't know. I, watching the Digital Foundry analysis of the PC version, which goes well beyond my you know, knowledge, it just seems like it's not doing things that one might expect the game to do. Like, it doesn't precompile shaders. There's a pause on PC where it says it's doing something. Like, it's like every time you start the game, mm-hmm. it says, okay, we're doing yeah. something. We're getting the game ready Optimizing for you. Optimizing game files, it says. Right, which years. you would typically think is precompiling shaders, which has been this ongoing problem. If you know about stutter struggle, this is a thing that PC gamers have been talking about for a while now, where the stutter struggle is so many new games. The stutter struggle is real. It is. It is real. Um, So many new games have this issue where no matter what hardware you're playing on, what your settings are, when you walk into a new area, there's like a little hitch. Mm -hmm. And it might not bother you. You might not even notice it. Um, For example, in Dead Space Remake, I don't notice it, but I see people complain all the time about the PC version of that game. It's not a huge deal to me, but some people really notice the stutter. And that's, I believe, largely or often due to compiling shaders. I believe this is more of an issue under DirectX 12, which is more recently adopted compared to earlier versions of DirectX like DirectX 11, which is why it's become more of an issue recently. Anyways, you can pre-compile shaders, which means the system does a lot of work beforehand so that the game cannot have to load and stream it while you're playing the game. That's the idea, anyways. And apologies if you know to anyone who's like got technical expertise listening to this being like, okay, that was... <laughs> That was okay, Kirk, but like, stop while you're ahead. So anyways, there's stuff like that where the game doesn't seem to be pre-compiling shaders, and it also does it every time you load the game, which is weird. So I don't know. Like, yes, I think it probably would have been easier if they had done what you described and had a big room just full of GPUs. 
But given what I've seen online, the problems are pervasive enough. They affect everybody. They're happening like really consistently across different bills, even though they are kind of different amounts in different places. It just makes me think like the game could have used a little bit more time uh, mm-hmm. for testing. But yeah, we can talk more about the game itself just because I agree with you, Maddie, that like as relevant as this is to the current experience that we're all having, even for me, it's basically been fine. I've been having a great time playing the game. I've played a lot of it. It's mostly okay. It's only recently that it started to make me feel like maybe, maybe I should just wait a month and come back and finish it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're not playing and constantly thinking, man, I wish these shaders were compiled. Uh, <laughs> More like I, you know, man, this stutter is really annoying, which it, I mean, Uh it's pretty constant. Uh Like it is, it does happen a lot, but it's also, you know, you, you, it stutters and then you keep playing the game and whatever you're, you're jumping around, you're swinging your lightsaber. It's fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the game. So you guys, so we've all played through all of Jedi Fallen Order. We've talked about it a few times. Um, I believe we did a spoiler cast at one point, maybe on our last podcast, we did a spoiler cast. Um, and we all really liked it. Do you guys feel like this sequel is too iterative? Do you feel like it's too sequely or like too much like Fallen Order to like 1.5 and not innovative enough, especially in the wake of the fact that we're like that it's coming out two weeks before Zelda's Cures of the Kingdom, which seems primed to be like revolutionary, like mind blowingly crazy and different. Um, do you guys, but it's uh, when also you're playing iterative. this, that's true. Um, but when you're playing this, do you feel like, does it feel like 1.5 to you guys? And is that a bad thing necessarily? I think it's a great thing. It does feel like a continuation, but in the way that I appreciate where all the little things about Fallen Order that I just wanted to be slightly better. I I mean, we've talked about the parry a lot, but I also remember some very weird difficulty unevenness in that game. Not even just difficulty spikes, but like something would be weirdly easy and then super hard and then easy again and then just pacing issues. Haven't had any of that in this game. I've really liked all the pacing of, of the story, introduction of characters. I've enjoyed it. I don't think the story is blowing my mind or anything, but it's fun and <laughs> I'm having a good time. So I I like that it feels like a 1.5 game. And I also know it's a bigger game. I'm just, <laughs> I just wish I could play more of it. Uh-huh. But I'm enjoying the 1.5 feeling of it all. And it is reminding me that when games are sequels, they can often be a stronger version of what came before and perhaps even the intended version of what came before. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It does feel like they listen to a lot of feedback. Um, this time there's no backtracking. There is a decent amount of backtracking in Jedi Fallen Order, especially if you wanted to go and like take advantage of some of the Metroidvania stuff. It was deliberately designed to feel like a Metroid game and you had to walk through old levels and like like mm-hmm. find new passages and stuff, although there was some smart design um, in the way they went about it. Um, this time there's fast travel. You can fast travel between any bonfire or meditation point, whatever it's called. Um, the worlds are a lot more open. Like you get to Kobo and it's way bigger than anything in Jedi Fallen Order. There's a lot more side stuff that you can do. Um, mm-hmm. In the first game, there was some side stuff, but it was more constrained. The the, the levels were a lot more linear. This is more way more like these are so open that often um, on the two big planets, Kono and Jedi, you get animals that you can ride around. Um, that's how big the the terrains are. Um, and one of the biggest changes I've noticed is that it feels like they've like gone full uncharted with everything there's a ton more climbing and and like big set pieces and explosions and um 
a, a game reviewer might call it bombastic, um, but it is not bombastic. <laughs> we would never do that. It is not bombastic. No. It is not, it not, a bomba- not a particularly bombastic game, but it is a game that uh, feels a lot more um, Uncharted-y. Uh, it's got so much climbing, so much jumping and, and things falling and like you land on something and suddenly it falls and you go sliding in and Nathan Drake is like, oh no, I jumped on a ledge and fell again. Um which I think is pretty cool. I'm, I'm real. That's one of the reasons I'm really enjoying it. It's just it feels like it's Jedi Fallen Order taken up a notch, and I really like Jedi Fallen Order. So of course I'm going to really like the sequel version. Yeah, I really like the traversal a lot. Um, I actually like it much more than Uncharted because it doesn't do the thing that Uncharted does, where you're glued to the wall and you're basically just holding the stick down. Yeah. yeah. While Cal climbs around, that's actually never how the platforming works. I mean, maybe you're on a ledge or something, yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of double jumping and mantis cloaking. I don't know what they call it in this game, but the sort of surge forward that you unlock uh-huh, uh-huh. that really opens things up. And dashing, as we've mentioned, you um, because you have the double jump from the beginning and because because they kind of have designed the game around uh, the wall run in a lot of really clever ways. Yeah. You're w- the levels themselves are just way more vertical and way more open from the start because they don't have to worry about a low-level character coming in somewhere and not being able to do stuff because you can do stuff from the beginning. One of the coolest things you can do in this game is jump up on a wall run, you start running, then you can jump off, yes. jump back, and go higher. And so yes. you can use the wall run to get higher up. And oh, they have so you fun. do this. The game is designed to make you learn to do this move really early on. And then it's really cool. I mean, it's a flexibility that just isn't always present in a game with wall running. And because you can double jump, you jump off the wall, you jump back on. It's really cool. I mean, I guess you could always double jump in Titanfall. And Titanfall and Titanfall 2 have the same kind of wall running and the same types of levels. There are levels in Titanfall 2 that both Fallen Order and now Jedi Survivor both um, really emulate, where there will be these big, these cranes kind of holding billboards that are just arranged so that you can kind of wall run on one billboard mm-hmm. and then jump over to the other one. And like a lot of the level is trying to find the controls from the crane to lower the one billboard so you can get across some chasm. Like that's very Titanfall too. But they've gotten even better at it and it's even more blown out in this game and it works really well in third person. So yeah, I really I really enjoy the platforming in this game. I think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. something that I really enjoy is that when you're climbing, um, you are free to jump off and then double jump back on so you could do some maneuvering yourself if you mm-hmm. want and make yourself like a whole Jedi acrobat it feels thing. very forgiving right it yeah. does yeah and it's very flexible I was thinking I've been thinking a lot while playing this game that I wish you could like customize Cal to make him Yoda because it would be so much fun to be <laughs> flipping around <laughs> as Yoda in this game like double jumping and dashing as Yoda mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of customization in this game but sadly sadly none of that um Always very yeah, disappointing. Yeah, you can't completely change your height in the entire <laughs> no, you makeup cannot, of your well, character. Yeah, you can't transform into Yoda, sadly. Well, no, you would do is you would become a human-sized Yoda. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. a terrifying, like, Fortnite-esque amalgamation character. where you're, like, wearing a Yoda costume, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Why isn't that in the game? It's I disappointing, know. I will say, for me to be exploring side paths and just find treasure chests with, like, cosmetic nonsense for, like, upgrading mm-hmm. the handle like <laughs> height of my lightsaber um it's trained me to just not even bother going through side paths in this game although there are a few like especially some of the optional content there are a few rewards that are more substantial skill points and health packs and stuff like that but, well there's um, also perks i mean you can find and perks 
currency that you then spend at various stores that get you perks that do kind of cool stuff. Yeah, some, some of, of the yeah. stores give perks. Some of them are just cosmetics from what I've found. Right. But yes. Right. Yeah, so you can also do that. Um, but it's always disappointing to like go through, solve some puzzle or something, and then at the end you just see one of those cosmetic chests. I just stop bothering opening them. I know there's some people out there who are going to like go full on Barbie doll with their Cal Kestis and customize the <laughs> hell out of him, which I respect. It's just not for me personally. It's not for you. I, I mean, some of the puzzles are their own reward i like those jedi chambers i yes. those yeah. are cool those I, end with good rewards yeah. yeah yeah they do but also just the puzzles are are cool mm-hmm. and i'm really i mean i'm also still replaying breath of the wild doing all the shrines so i'm really vibing with all the puzzles in jedi survivor as well because that's just where my brain already is so just i don't know there have been a few times when i've left off something in jedi survivor and tried to open my paraglider and it hasn't worked so that's something that's disappointing to me Uh it's just that i can't open a paraglider didn't think of the yoda thing though that also would have just obviously solved everything for me yeah it would Mm -hmm. just be so fun to see like a little ball of like green (laughs) fur just like double jumping and dashing around um yeah just be, but yeah, I like the puzzles. Because Cal Kestis, he's like the wonder bread of Star Wars protagonists. Like his mm-hmm. personality can be summed up as like, oh, he's the yeah. guy in this game. <laughs> that doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, I, I have seen people make fun of that, which is totally fair. He's kind of, I, I'd be hard pressed to describe his personality any which way with, with any adjective at all. He's but a nice boy. I would describe a, him as yeah. a nice boy. He's a video game protagonist, is, but the nice, nice kind. Um, the good with a capital G. Uh, but that's okay with me because every other character is so colorful and mm. sometimes in a corny kids cartoon kind of a way, like this, this Star Wars game's tone kind of skews more towards that end of things, the Clone Wars cartoons end of things as opposed to the and or end, like I was saying. And I like that. I can get on board for that. And I don't really need the protagonist of the game to be really spicy and zingy. And if anything, mm-hmm. I feel like that would only annoy me if he was constantly yeah. quipping around or had a whole lot of opinions i'm like no you're a jedi you're supposed to be super chill and that is your downfall mm, <laughs> is that yeah. you have <laughs> nothing going on yeah yeah mm-hmm. i can see that um one thing about the spicy characters is that the second that i saw bode at the beginning of the game um when he's first introduced i was like that mm-hmm. guy is gonna betray you and uh I don't know for sure if it happens, but I would pretty much bet my life. But you're suspicious life. of him. Because... I would bet my life on the fact that Bode <laughs> betrays you for his daughter. And wow. Then you bet your life on it. I would bet wow. my. I would bet this podcast on it. I would bet everything. Wow. I would bet my children on it. Like, there's no way that Bode <laughs> does not betray you. I can. I can guarantee everyone out there. I mean, I don't know if people out there, if you're listening and you've finished it, you're probably nodding along and saying, "Yep, Jason was right. Bode betrays mm-hmm. you." If you haven't finished it, well. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, pretty confident in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the plot is not that complicated. I'll save that. I'm not going to weigh in on this Bode thing. I'm not going to place any any. Oh, gambles. do you know? You know what happens? Well, sure. I allow myself to get spoiled on things because I edit stories for Polygon, but I'm I'm not going to spoil it for you, Jason. You can play it yourself. Uh, but regardless, I just was trying to say that even of what I've played, the story is very simple. The plot beats are pretty easy to guess. But again, that's not really what I came to Star Wars Jedi for. So no, I'm it's okay the fun acrobats. It. It's watching Yoda flip around on screen. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's possible that Bo just dies. Maybe he dies and he doesn't betray you, but we'll see. I don't know either. Um, I enjoyed here, I will say, a slight spoiler warning for just like the first act of the the first mission of the game. Mm. So anyone who doesn't want to hear this, just skip ahead like 
a minute, but I just mm-hmm, want to say mm-hmm. something that was funny is that in the first mission, you meet Cal's whole crew and it's all yeah. these people. And there's all this great dialogue where they're like, man, remember that time with the Bantha? <laughs> oh, man, this will be just like when I saved your butt on tattooing. And I'm like, these people are all going to die. <laughs> and they all die like 30 <laughs> seconds later. I, and I thought that yeah. was funny. Yeah. I, I was a little sad they all died. <laughs> there, on that point, there is a book called uh, Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars by mm. Sam Maggs that is, I think, about some of, that's set between the two oh, games that like cool. includes some of this stuff. Yeah. They're like, we need you to come up with a bunch of characters that we can kill for yeah. emotional yeah, effects in the, the first, first act of the next game. game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she yeah, wrote yeah. a whole book about all these uh-huh. endearing ragtag mm-hmm. resistance fighters who were mm-hmm. all going to die. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. <laughs> Um, I really like Grease, the uh, yeah. pilot slash cook. He's mm-hmm. just great. He's played He's by great. an actor named Daniel Roebuck, and I just think the vocal performance is wonderful. And it's really good. Something I really liked about uh, the way this game tells its story is that he's the first character that Cal goes back to meet from the crew of the first game. He goes to um, Grease's cantina, which then becomes the kind of home base for the game. And what I really liked is that Grease is kind of this grumpy guy, or he has this kind of grumpy New York cabbie energy, mm-hmm. but he's not, um, he doesn't have a grumpy vibe when Cal meets back up with him. He's immediately like really kind of paternal and caring, and he's really happy to see Cal, and he just wants to like help out and take care of him and like get him food and t- give him a good place to have shelter and like help him find everybody else. I just really liked that it begins with you not reconnecting with a sort of, you know, someone you have this intense history with where they're yeah. kind of mad to see you and you have to they have to warm back up to you, but instead it's like this guy who's just really happy to see you. Like that was just a really nice beat to start out with. Um, and then kind of carries the story from there. Just every time you see Grease, it's cool because he's just such a kind of warm, caring character. Yeah, yeah. I, the story for me is not really doing too much just yet. I'm still, I'm, yeah, I'm, I told you guys where I am. So I'm pretty deep into like the quest for uh, whatever it's called, that that secret Jedi planet thing. Tantalore? Uh, Tantalore. And I'm still not really sure why they're looking for Tantalore or like what yeah. the deal mm-hmm. is there. Like it's not, none of it is really made clear. It's kind of like, well, Cal was working for Sagriera for a bit, but now he's not. And now he's just going on this now other he's looking for the random Jedi Holy quest. Grail or whatever. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's tricky. It's an, I agree that the story is not really grabbing me. And I think it was just a lot clearer in the first game what yep. the context of the quest was and what the point of the MacGuffin was. Yeah. Because you were looking for this holocron that could allow Cal to find all of the Force-sensitive kids and create a new Jedi Order. That was the idea. And then that drove like a lot of the most interesting drama in the story of you know them kind of deciding at the end, well, maybe we don't. We want to protect these kids and like mm-hmm. not let this fall into the Empire's hands. And maybe it wouldn't be a good idea anyways to train a bunch of Jedi because they could all just turn to the dark side. Like It, it led to a bunch of interesting and understandable uh, sort of stakes and questions for the characters. This time around, it's much, it just is a lot less clear. It's like, okay, well, we only want to go somewhere safe. Maybe we could all go hide in this safe planet that's really hard to get to. But there's this built in, you know, kind of begging the question. I don't know what the logical fallacy is, but it's like, well, if we can get to it, then so can the Empire. It's the exact mm-hmm. same thing you were dealing with in the first game. Right. So, like, this is clearly going to be the problem. Even if you do eventually get to Tantalor, you're not really going to be safe there. So then it's like, well, what's the philosophical question here? You know, it's kind of, is it better to fight or is it better to hide? Mm-hmm. But they haven't really gotten into that yet. Maybe they will later. I could see them going in some interesting directions with this. But yeah, right now, it's all a little vague. And then it's compounded for me 
by the fact that they're bringing back characters from the High Republic era, mm-hmm. which like doesn't do much for me, both because I don't know much about that era. It feels a little more kind of uh, franchise IPE because I know there's that High Republic TV show coming out. Uh-huh. There are parts in this, sh- there's a part in this game where Cal says, man, the High Republic was so interesting. I'd love to just hear <laughs> stories about the High Republic or something. I was I'd expecting to him to like turn to the screen and be like, coming soon to Disney+. Plus." <laughs> if like, only there was so, a network where I could get that plus. Right. And even the way people talk about <laughs> the High Republic feels like there should be a little TM next to it. Uh-huh, and like that uh-huh. kind of, you know, rubs me the wrong way. So I'm just sort of not feeling it like the fact that there's this dark jedi from there i'm like oh great another dark jedi who like mm-hmm. what you know whatever like mm-hmm. I, so yeah agree the story is not that part of the story isn't doing much for me even though like i said i do like these characters and i'm down to follow them wherever but they go. just wait kirk when bode betrays you then i'll finally be like bode <laughs> yep, bode. i like bode, that dark bode, bode. i like that dark force user i guess i don't know if we get yeah. to call him a sith or not because he uh, he doesn't have a, a pal that i know of maybe it's Bode. I don't. Yeah, is that in in Star Wars lore? If you're a Jedi but you go to the way of the dark side, you automatically become a Sith, or are there like I don't think so. Evil Jedi, you need awesome. Awesome. Sith you need their to be own an apprentice thing. to a partner. Sith. You need a buddy. Okay. The Sith yeah, right. come in twos. You need to learn from a Sith. I think yeah. it's funny. I know this point has been made a million times before by many other people, but I still think it's so funny that like Cal Kestis can push people off ledges with the force but like you choke people that's a no-no you can't no, choke people you only sever them with a lightsaber push them off ledges make them kill each other use mind control to make them all just blow each other to bits turn yeah. a rocket around in midair and make it explode in their faces but choking people no 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 lightning can't shoot lightning well, see, from that's like no. the most interesting part of it though for me like jokes aside I'm like that's why as soon as there was a dark force user I was like oh good finally we're getting to the good stuff because uh-huh. again I mean, I say, I say it every time we talk about Star Wars, but it's still true. It's fun to think about that duality and be like, okay, but what about the people who are kind of in the middle, the Ahsoka Tanos of the world who are like, yeah, I'm not a Jedi. I'm not a Sith. Uh, I, right. I'm still experiencing emotions and using the Force. Deal with it. I'm not siding with either one of you guys. Like, those are always the characters that I'm like, all right, I want to follow yeah. those those people. and. Uh-huh. Like here's here's me staking my claim. Surely Cal Kestis will also be tempted to the dark side at some point in this game, and I'm just waiting around for him mm. to think about it because there's so many opportunities here, like for for him to be like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what, why am I trying to uphold these these neutral so-called values of these Jedi Order that that didn't even really do the right thing? Yeah. I mean, it's worth mentioning Night Sister Marin as well, another yes, major character in this. Mm-hmm. I was about yeah. to say, well, there's a great relationship between her and Cal, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was my favorite character in Fallen Order, and of course, she's back in this one, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. No, they have some wonderful scenes together. I mean, she plays a role in that amazing set piece that Jason mm-hmm. and I were talking about. Yeah. Um, which is quite a bit of fun. And yeah, and she. Yeah, I'm probably about to get to her because I only just met the bad guy whose name I'm forgetting. Oh, yes. He's very pale. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know how evil people have white skin, like paper white skin. Look, he's been in Bakta for like <laughs> 500 years. Okay, uh, he hasn't I seen. I don't know. A lot he of, looked pretty paper white even in, the, even in the Force flashbacks. Yeah, but he did. He, he did. was fated to be a Sith Lord. I think with that face, you know, uh-huh. there's nothing he could have done about it. It was just going to happen for him. He looked mm-hmm. evil. 
Well, yeah, you're going to meet up with Marin, and then she, of course, becomes a major character. And, of course, uh, yeah. She's very cute with Cal. She, They have a kind of... At first, I was sort of like, this all seems a little flat, and then they kind of got into their groove mm-hmm. again. I'm like, yeah, I like these two. Yeah, they had a, a budding romance in the last game that's developed mm-hmm. a little bit more here. It's always fun to see a romance in a game because it mm-hmm. feels so rare. Or a have... romance in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. That also with, feels uh, with a Jedi. Rare. Now that, that is mm-hmm. against the rules from uh-huh, what uh-huh. I know. So being tempted <laughs> to the dark side by even considering it, Cal. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke did kiss his sister, so there's yeah. that. And um, that's yes. far as far as that went. <laughs> Man, catch, there's even in that there's a kiss in this game where it's like, was that for luck? There's they do feel the need to reference the original trilogy a little bit I more know. than I wish they felt the need to. But yeah, yeah. Do, I think they should it's make okay. a 12 minutes version of Star Wars. That's Luke and Leia uh, kissing each other, um, <laughs> and both of them just saying, "I've got a bad feeling about this." I've like, got in a bad feeling about kiss. this. God. Yeah. That would um, be really good. Yeah, yeah I, I, love, guys, I love it. What do you think? Um, <laughs> Please, we do, we, b- before we wrap up, I want to talk about a couple more quick things about this game. Yeah. What do you guys think of the Metroidvania aspect of it so far? Because I found that there aren't, it doesn't seem like there are quite as many like blocked off paths that you yeah. come back to later. There are the big green walls that you get an ability to get through at some point, but there isn't a ton of that stuff. Um, it's a little bit more open and a little bit more encouraging exploration as opposed to encouraging backtracking. And I think that's by design the same way the last game was was more Metroidvania-y and linear by design. What do you guys think of the new approach to this? I think it's tough to do a Metroidvania when you have fast travel in the way that this game does. I mm-hmm. mean, you can, but it just really changes it when you can go anywhere at any time really easily. And you don't need to reward backtracking the same way when you aren't forcing someone to do it. And instead it's like, well, you need you need to actually go to this place for a specific reason. So that mm-hmm. automatically changes the tone. But I prefer it. I, I don't think this game ever needed to be that. I think having all the abilities from the start and not taking them away, a la the beginning of Metroid Prime 1 when Samus falls down really hard. Like The, the fact that they don't feel the need to do anything like that means the game also feels very different and... That's cool. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's working fine that, that it isn't leaning into those elements. Yeah, I think um, there's there are these sort of vestigial Dark Souls aspects of this game that I just mm-hmm. don't really think are necessary. They're fine, but you know that you mean like enemies respawning every time you sit at a meditation uh, point. Yeah. And well, that's like okay. That. That only because. I like yeah. that as in because it because it adds a little bit of tension if you're especially if you're playing on the highest difficulty mode. I'm playing on the second mm-hmm. highest, but adding a little bit of tension to like, do I really want to rest here? I think is an interesting an interesting game design choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm referring more to the level design aspects of it, where you know sometimes you'll cut down a cord that'll lead to a shortcut back to the right. save yep. point, and that feeling can be kind of cool. Like, oh, hey, nice. I didn't realize, but I'm up way higher now, and I'm kind of dropping down, and I can go back and save and now really quickly bypass everything. But just because of the map and the way that the levels are laid out, it just doesn't have that same feeling as you have when you're playing Dark Souls, and you unlock a shortcut, and you really value it, and it's this really kind of central part of the of the gameplay loop. Here, it just feels a little tacked on, because so much of the game is 
you're just like moving through these really well-designed sort of platforming exploration, gated combat, keep moving, platform, explore, boss fight, like these these sequences that are placed in a much more kind of linear AAA kind of a way. Yeah, and it's and so I, good at that that I'm like, well, it doesn't really need to be doing this other thing where yeah. you're doing a Dark Souls level exploration. Like that's just not really a big part of the game anyway. It's funny you mention that. I think it's that and also that it's a little bit easier than Jedi Fallen Order, um, even on some of the higher level difficulties, even on the one I'm playing. It feels mm-hmm. easier to me than Jedi Fallen Order did, in part because you have all those abilities from the get-go, so you can do things and aren't just kind of trying to block. But also, it just feels easier, and I think there's an interesting tension there from a design perspective of like having that Soulsy aspect and also wanting to make sure that the game is approachable and can be played by the 30 million people they want to play it since this is a new Star Wars game and not necessarily like an, a niche difficult uh, Souls game. Um, and I think that lack of tension is really what makes it um, uh, uh, less appealing or less exciting when you find one of the shortcuts. Like in Souls games, you find that shortcut and you're like, oh man, what a relief. Like I was hoping I wouldn't, I was like begging, like like I'm low on health, low on mm-hmm. Estes flasks and I really needed that. I really need mm-hmm. to get back to like, a this safe This is point. as far as I've ever come uh-huh. and I'll exactly. probably never make it here again and then you exactly. find a ladder and it's, it's the bonfire that you uh-huh. recognize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in this, it's not quite like that because it all feels a lot smoother and there isn't really uh, there aren't really a ton of obstacles in in your way and things will be Wait, different i mean i know in new game plus well in new game plus you can get like a, a thing a toggle to turn on that makes the game super super like difficult um i think there's one game one toggle that makes it realistic lightsabers so like a lightsaber just kills you instantly and you kill enemies instantly which makes everything a lot harder and i mean so there could be some make interesting it easier or well, if you die, you you have to go well, back yes. to your last save point. So it makes that's it, true. It makes but it, also, every enemy is a one hit kill, I suppose, in that scenario. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which is kind of true now. Anyway, a lot of stormtroopers are one hit kills. Anyway, that's true. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up? We do. We have to get to one more thing. But any kind of final thoughts on the game from you guys? No, this is a cool game. I'm looking forward to getting some patches and playing. Yeah, Zeta. it's too bad that the discourse is all around the technical problems. I know. It's a cool game, yeah. and I wish people were discussing it more for some of the design choices it makes and the spectacle and the traversal, which I think is really cool. Like one of the game one of the reasons that I think I'm enjoying this game more than I enjoyed God of War Ragnarok last year is just the the flightiness of it all, like double jumping everywhere and dashing and climbing. Yeah, and it, it just so feels really to good me. to play. Yeah. yeah it They're feels really like good very mobile stuff. and fun and um, yeah, just really enjoyable game to play on a moment to moment basis. So hopefully they got all the technical stuff ironed out soon. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back for one more thing. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Cow. The queen is dead. Long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now ring the bell. 
Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show, and this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. And we are back. It is time for one more thing. I'm going to go first because I just finished something that you guys are really stoked about. I played through... The DLC to Case of the Golden Idol, which is called The Spider of Lanka. And it adds three new cases, three new episodes to the game that we all loved mm. last year, The oh, Case I'm of so the Golden excited. Idol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the three games that was on all, all of our favorite, uh, mm-hmm. favorite games mm-hmm. of the year mm-hmm. list, that Elden Ring and Monkey Island. Um, so it's really cool. Um, it's basically, I mean, it's what you would expect. It's three new chapters in the case of the Golden Idol. Um, it's uh, a prequel to the main game. So uh, it it leads naturally into the first, like the prologue of the main game. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. And it's just great. It's like I could keep playing the new mysteries of these like every few months. And if and, and it seems like they're setting up to do something like that because the way it's kind of listed in the or the way it's named in Steam and in the, the launcher, it's like um, Golden Idol Mysteries, colon, the, oh, the spider man. of Lanka, which certainly oh implies God. that they're just going to keep doing this, which is awesome. Um, for people who aren't familiar, real quick, Case of the Golden Idol, it's a detective game where you really have to deduce things and fi- you are looking at this kind of tableau scene after a murder in every chapter and you have to figure out exactly what happened by just going around and having this omniscient view of everybody um, and their inventories and all the scenery and all the, the things that are happening in any given scene. Um, so this one is set in on kind of a, a different, like a, f- a foreign island that's away from the kind of more Eurocentric themed. So in, in case of the Golden Idol, most of what you're, most of the the um, episodes take place on this kind of uh, fictional version of Europe, so to speak. And they make references to and their characters from uh, a fictional version of more like Middle East, uh, Africa-inspired cultures, like basically the the kind of Western versus Eastern cultures. And of course, the Eurocentric uh, countries, they call them savages and stuff like that. There's a lot of just easy parallels there. This game is set on the island of Lanka, which is that whole culture. And so you get into some of that interesting culture stuff. There's one case in this, uh, the second case that is all about this um, ritual to succeed the the Raja of this uh, of this one country that is very India inspired. And yeah, there's just a lot of good stuff. Um, just classic, classic case of the Golden Idol stuff in there. Uh, I beat it all. Uh, I beat all three cases over the course of a couple hours and just really can, can uh, recommend it with absolutely zero reservations to anyone who enjoyed the original game. And I keep, I hope they keep cranking these out uh, forever and ever and ever because they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. the mystery solving was so, so fun. And I'm really excited to play those three probably mm-hmm. all in one go in 
however long it takes me to do it because I will be unable to stop. Yeah, you got to do it before Zelda comes out. Just just get it all done. Just just get it out of the way. I'm surprised you haven't yeah, already. I don't, I don't think that's going to be hard. As soon as I open the file, that'll be like the next several hours of my life. So I need yeah. to just be aware of that before I open it. That's all it is. Yep. 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 It's a good one. Um, Kirk, what's your one more thing? My one more thing is a YouTube series that I've started watching that I'm actually watching with Emily called Double Fine Psych Odyssey that uh, I know, Jason, you have watched some of. Have you watched all of it? Have you finished it? I watched all of it twice. Okay. I knew knew you were really into it. Um, So you watched the whole thing twice. (laughs) Maddie, have you started it yet? No. Okay. So I'll explain what it is. Jason, I've watched it zero times. Okay. So Jason's watched it for both of you. That's right. Um, So now I actually don't need to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> to explain what it is to anyone right. who doesn't know, I know Jason, you made it your one more thing not that long ago, but this is a two-player productions documentary of the creation of Psychonauts 2, the Double Fine game that came out. Well, was it last year? Or was it was it last year? Was it two years yes. ago? What is time? Psychonauts 2 came out two years ago. Yeah, it was it was two years. August twenty twenty one. August twenty twenty one. So, which uh, a wonderful game. So this is a like thirty part YouTube documentary or thirty part documentary that is on YouTube. Um, documenting the seven-year production of this game. And it's really cool. Um, I have been, I've watched the first couple of episodes, the first maybe three. Um, of course, this is the same production team or some of the same people who made Double Fine Documentary or Double Fine Adventure, I guess it was called, which was the the creation of Broken Age. And that is an amazing documentary that we have, of course, raved about and recommend for anyone who wants to actually see how video games get made. This one seems like it's going to be even more complex only because I know some of the things that happen during this seven-year period. Like, they replace the director on the game. Like, they get purchased by Microsoft. And so there are these really major sort of seismic events that happen in the midst of development of what is also, like, a fantastic game, but surely a very difficult one to make and a very ambitious game. So just wait. Just wait until the COVID part. It's like, there's a part in it they're they're like, oh, this they're locking down Italy. It's like so crazy. <laughs> to be yeah, like sure. COVID happens too. Because wow, yeah. you, you know it's coming and it's like, oh my god, there's a sense of dread. Anyway, you'll get there. Um, I will. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to take my time because it is a lot to watch. But actually, I've been watching this with Emily, which is also really cool because um, it's totally, I mean, anyone who wants to know more about how video games are made would enjoy this. Like, if you've watched Mythic Quest, Mm -hmm. this is the real thing. And while it's not quite as dialed up for comedy, a lot of the, the people in the who work at Double Fine are really funny, interesting, engaging people. I mean, I think a lot of people in game development in general are that way, but Double Fine in particular attracts just very fun, interesting people who are fun to watch. And right from the beginning, I mean, it's real stuff. Like you're seeing people kind of wrestle with, I don't know, their project being overlooked or having resources diverted away from something they're working on or feeling stuck. Um, And like watching the sort of different low-key conflicts that occur during any kind of collaborative creative process. And that's just interesting to watch no matter what. And then in the process, you also just see so much of the nitty-gritty, even in the first few episodes, of just how games are made, how hard it is to make everything work, how prototyping works, how weird it is to make a game in VR. Right now they're working on the VR Psychonauts sort of mid-quill. So anyways, um, it's really cool. I'm excited to watch the rest of it. I feel like at some point we'll probably all talk about it on the show, like we'll all have seen it. I was kidding. I do want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I think there will be a lot to say. And so Part of me mentioning it here is to just plant the seed. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who 
think it sounds interesting, but also think it sounds like a lot, just start watching it. Watch it like a TV show. There's a ton of the episodes. There's like 30 episodes. It's going to go on forever. Just pace yourself and kind of watch it. Um, And then maybe you'll be kind of keeping up with us as we watch it. And then if we do talk about it on the show, you'll be a little more prepared. But anyways, yeah, it's called Psych Odyssey. It's on YouTube. You can just watch it. And it's really good so far. I'm very excited to watch more. Cool. Oh, man, I'm excited for you. Let me know as you keep watching because I want to chat about it. Maddie, what's your one more thing? Uh, mine is a game that is called Dredge, and mm. it is a game a, that's buzzed about a little it bit. It is buzzed about, deservedly so. It's a pretty cool game. So I'm playing it on PC. It is a horror fishing game, which is a mm-hmm. genre mashup that I have never experienced before and am really, really <laughs> enjoying. <laughs> so you are a fisherman who ends up with a job somewhat mysteriously in a place, an island that is besieged by eldritch horrors in its waters. And you're just also a fisherman who works in that environment. And people warn you about not fishing at night, except eventually people really want you to catch the fish that only come (laughs) out at night. And so you just kind of have to deal with it. You have to worry about like a sort of insanity meter, like amnesia style when you're fishing at night. It's pretty low poly graphics like in a literal sense like very blocky looking kind of game but very cool look so uh for a while for the first couple hours playing i was like how could this ever really be scary i mean i was having a great time you catch weird fish that are kind of eldritchy and you're like oh this is kind of a spooky fish but like again that's not really that's not really horror like (laughs) catching a weird fish not that scary (laughs) but then eventually you start fishing at night And even in like a very low poly environment, if something sneaks up on you, it's pretty scary. (laughs) It's pretty freaking scary. Yeah, I really find the, I mean, I find nighttime ocean, dark, deep ocean to be profoundly terrifying. So even even this could be scary. It's pretty darn spooky. And yeah, so I don't know. I really recommend that. I think the sound design of it is really cool. I like the nighttime stuff. There's all these weird things that I, I haven't played long enough to kind of piece together the whole mystery. I think it's only like eight hours. There's a story. Uh, that I'm slowly piecing together from talking to villagers and stuff. Uh, But when it's nighttime, you kind of see all these weird boats that only come out at night and they're like off in the distance and you're like, what Mm. is up with that? And then they're like closer than before, but then further away. (laughs) I mean, I I love stuff like that. It's very fun. It's got really cool horror vibes. Also enjoy just the idea of a fishing game being a horror game. I think that's neat. And the story being delivered piecemeal, just purely through conversations that you have with people that you meet uh, on the shorelines of various other islands that you discover. And that's, I mean, that's the only way the story can be told. It's just purely environmental. And I think that's a really cool way to tell a story also. So if you like a game that's like a little bit scary, but mostly narrative and mostly chill because you are fishing. Right. (laughs) And also has some fun fishing mechanics. Like every kind of fish has a different, um, like not a quick time event, but like, you know, there's like a, a bar that you have to hit, hit a button at the correct time. Like, like it'll turn green at certain times. You, you guys know what I mean. Uh, and, yes. and each fish, each creature has a, has a different uh, system for catching it really fun. So it's like a combination of fun fishing mechanics and spooky vibes and a cool story. So yeah, dredge is what it's called. Like you're Sounds dredging neat. up fish from the depths yes. great name for a fishing game i have yeah. this installed on steam deck and have been excited to play it though it's i actually cool. got distracted by another game that i'll probably talk about next week that's also really good mm-hmm. that um that i'm loving but yeah I, I really want to play it it looks awesome i think you'll dig it yeah 
Awesome. Well, that is it for this week's episode, and may the force be with you. <laughs> yeah, may the may the you'll all be listening to this on May the fourth. Wow, 4th. it's gonna be May the fourth. So wow, 4th. I didn't even realize that until oh right goodness. now. Wow, wow, that was cool. is this is Disney Penguins like for this episode. It. <laughs> Check oh out the God. High Republic show. Uh, I don't Disney care if you Plus. do or not. <laughs> may the fourth be with you. And next week, <laughs> by the way, we'll be doing a mailbag episode. So send us your questions at tripleclick at maximumfun.org if you want to participate. Otherwise, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. See you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at maximumfun.org/join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod. Send email to TripleClick at maximumfun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.